demon moderate, riboflavin, you know, that's that good shit, vegetable oil, cheese seasoning, cheddar cheese, milk cheese cultures, canola oil, malodextrin, made from corn, natural artificial flavors, salt, whey, protein, baby, protein in this, this little, little binge, concentrate, oh, it's a whey protein concentrate. Elastic acid, citric acid, an artificial cover, color, yellow number six, and salt. Vegans well, can't have it because it contains milk. So. Yeah, but I mean, who wants it? Who wants that? Who wants them around? Yeah, but some vegans are pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, a couple of them. Yeah. Well, that's good. Ugh. How should we start this? Should start with me listing the the ingredients and in Cheetos. That's how we should start. Well, then the open's done. We'll go into the beginning. Yeah, we're done. We're yeah. done, though. By the way, my favorite one is anytime you can make an ingredient that sounds like something Dr. Frank would say. And what was that one? Riboflavin. Riboflavin. I believe he actually does say riboflavin. <laughs> does he say riboflavin? Because I know that word, and I, it's got to be from The Simpsons. It really does feel like a word that just only Frank would say that you would hear. Riboflavin. You know, that's just a Jerry Lewis yeah, right? yeah, he's just doing the nutty professor, essentially. Stand back, all of you. I am clearly the one with the worm, worm, and the Luke. I am your father. What is the best Simpsons, like, parody? Like, of a, like a character that's clearly someone else that they've done? I mean, every single Hank Azaria character that is not a poo is, is, is just him doing, like, a bad impression. Chief Wiggum is Edward G. Robinson. Like, That's true. For sh- just straight up, it's just like a eh, see. Mo is just a bad Al Pacino. Is that right? Like a seventies Al Pacino. Like it's a real like skittery. Like ah, gee, Midge. <laughs> like like yeah, very you're right. It does have an like Al Pacino. A, yeah. Once he's once he once he's like yeah, it's just like a bad version of this Hollywood actor. Like you go like oh, that makes total sense. Like. I can't not see Chief Wiggum as a shitty Edward G. Robinson. Look at his cute little pig nose. Women can never. Women never figure this one out. They never find the door. <laughs> uh. This is the stupidest joke I've ever heard. That or like when he does like the um, Ed Sullivan impression. Really big shoe. Really big shoe. Nah, I lost it. <laughs> Bake them away, toys. What was that, sir? Let's do what the kid says. <laughs> Chief Wiggum, you know, and I'll say it too. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be that guy. I'm not going to be that guy who like backtracks on like 20 years of Simpsons loving. I don't think a Pooh's an offensive character. Motherfucker owns his own business, drives a no, fucking awesome car. No. I think there it's... are things that are stereotypical about it. Like he has like eight children and like worships like a Hindu god. Yes, those are like stereotypical things, but it definitely a... becomes not great. Like once. All of the characters kind of get smoothed out and become like Flanders version of their like Flanderize. Oh, for sure, for sure. But I mean, like, there's a couple of great episodes that involve a poo that have nothing to do with like him like being of. And I'll I'll say it too: the episode twenty two short films about Springfield does not begin if you don't start with the Jolly Bengali starring a poo. Which is it's that's like a fine short and like I think it's actually kind of funny. In a weird way. I oh, no think, ring. So you are just engaged to be, or you are just arranged to be married. Like, that's not a great joke. 
that like whole joke is like, haha, isn't it funny? You know, other cultures are funny. My big thing with Apu though is that he was a character in a time when there was not a whole lot of like Indian representation in media, and there, I mean, there's still not like a whole lot. So it's like one of those things where it's like. It starts out kind of as like a good thing. It's like, oh, we got this like Indian character. Like, like I could see someone in the eighties who's like liberals, like and well intentioned, thinking that that's like a good thing. But like after like thirty years, and like he's just become like the whole joke is like, oh, he's Indian. I don't think it's aged particularly well. It's one of the few things of The Simpsons that has aged, I think, particularly poorly. Some of the Lenny and Carl jokes have not aged well, and but for the most part, I think The Simpsons hold up, and I think I anytime a poo's on the screen, I just kind of like close my eyes and hope he doesn't say anything too fucking offensive. Now, counterpoint to that, counselor, why is groundskeeper Willie allowed to exist? Because it's it's white people, like that's <laughs> different. No, it is, Ben. Do you want me to get into power dynamics and like? I'm, how, I don't like, need you to get into power dynamics. Works. I just, I just, I just think it's fucked up that like you're allowed to kick the Irish. <laughs> like, still it, he's day. not even Irish. He's Scottish. Okay, you're allowed to kick the Scottish then, even more so. Why is the Italian chef allowed to exist there? Because it's not racist to make fun of an Italian or a Scottish person. Why? Why it's is the bigoted? Pi- why why is the pirated? Why is the pirated allowed to be oh, there? You're gonna come, we're gonna talk about how pirate Americans are being held down. <laughs> what about Snake? I mean, why do '50s greasers need to be attacked that way? Like, I understand your point that it's like a cartoon show and everyone's heightened, but it's a different thing when it's like a person of a culture that is yes. also severely underrepresented at, especially even at that time. Like, if you're an Indian-American, that's probably the only Indian-American you see on television. It's, like, a guy who gets shot and owns a convenience store and says his catchphrase is, like, you know, like, thank you, come again, which is what you're supposed to say when you own a, when you run a fucking convenience store. Like, it, it's not a great depiction if you're, if that's the only thing you're saying. Look, I'm, I'm not going to get into this. This, this isn't going to be me trying to defend why the Simpsons have a poo on there. I think we can basically sum this up with The Simpsons is a show of many contrasts. <laughs> yes. Yes. And this is, I think, the most important part. We didn't even bring this up. It's voiced by a fucking white guy. Well, that's also huge. End of your movie. Now you want more. Now you want more. Need all your insights Welcome, everybody, to TWGTF, or as everybody knows it, from the saddest rodeo in the world to the saddest little home in the world. This is Two White Guys Talking Film. I'm, of course, your host, Ben. And I'm Tyler. How are you, buddy? Doing good. That's good. It's real good. Yeah. Theaters theaters up here have opened, like, pretty much, not completely, but, like, you know, fair bit. I went and saw, like, an actual new movie in theaters. Oh, yeah. What did you see? I went and saw. Is this your most captivating movie? It it, it, it it will be. Yeah, what is Zola? 
I went saw Zola. You don't know Zola? No. Wait, Zola? is this the origin story of Armin Zola? Nah, no. Because okay. um, I saw Zola's... Black Widow and that movie sucked. I was hoping maybe they'd, they'd made one for Armin Zola, too. <laughs> no, it's, it's, a, it's a movie about a Twitter thread, which I know sounds terrible. Stay with me. It's based off a Twitter thread. Oh, uh, I know about this. Yeah. I've heard around, of this. Yeah. It went around black Twitter and then became like a huge, like just Twitter thing in general. And it was essentially about this woman who like went on a trip to Florida to do some stripping and uh, things went bad. <laughs> I don't really want to spoil what happens because I think it's kind of part of the fun. And I think most people... <laughs> probably know what happened in it or have read about it it's also just like really it's just really fun it's really goofy it's not goofy it's really just like funny and it's just good it's just well made it's really tense like there's just really interesting moments of tension in the movie and every time they crop up i'm just like yeah you know just like vibes but yeah i would say go see zola if you can we went to a theater. It was, you know, had popcorn, had her masks off. It was, it was fun. I can, I don't know what else to say. It's good. Go see Zola. Okay. I, I'm worried. I'm Do not me worried a favor. Anytime yeah. you see something this year, like new, please shoot me a text about it. Like, even if you don't like it, like, I just want to know. Cause I want to see if it's something I'm, I might enjoy. Oh, for sure. I can and then that. we can, yeah. I think we can widen the field. On like what we've seen in terms of like that end of the year one, I think so too. So Zola stars Taylor Page as Zola, who is so good in this movie. She does like all of these like really cool like eye acting things and like twitches and stuff, and it's just really just a really good performance from her. Also great is Riley Keogh. Oh, Keogh. Um, it's called it's called riley should have an oscar by now uh should have i you know you know she went method with this she you know cult stuff anyway yeah it's a good movie you know it was produced by dave franco don't know if that sells anybody on it it has one of my funniest like i think one of the funniest gags i've like ever seen and yeah it's based on like a twitter thread so you know it's good Hmm. All right. I'm excited to watch it. So let's see. I need to finish Silent Rage. Silent Rage. What what the fuck is Silent Rage? Essentially, what's the word I'm looking for? Chuck Norris fights Michael Myers. Oh. Sorry, uh, my eyes widened as if uh, you had shown me like some. Why? Whoa! Why are these? Hey, wait a minute! Why are these out of order? <laughs> wait, what happened here? I'm currently scrolling through Thunder because uh, we have not started talking about the movie, so I don't have their Wikipedia pages pulled up. So, Silent Rage is that a is that a canon movie? Perhaps I don't think it is. But, like, Tarantino was discussing his book on some show. It was either Rogan or it was the big picture. And he was talking, and he said, like, something about the movie Silent Rage. And I was like, the fuck is this? And um, this is my most captivating. But, like, because I've only seen half of it. But, like, essentially the movie is, like, there's this serial killer, and Chuck Norris puts his ass down. And they take him to this hospital. And there are just these three doctors there who are like, man, we've got this serum we've been working on. 
and it essentially brings this guy back, but gives him like not superpowers, but like super strength and has like the ability to kind of like be able to fuck with anyone. So essentially just becomes like Chuck Norris versus Michael Myers. Like, and the dude's in like a jumpsuit. It's kind of fucking great. And I'll tell you this, they slow burn you for like 90 minutes. No, no, no. They slow burn you for like 70 minutes of a 90 minute movie so far about him fighting Chuck Norris. It's like, it's gotta be getting here. Like he has just killed half the cast. Like they have to be coming together soon. There's not many people left. Oh, fuck. I have heard about this. I did not know that that was the premise. I think I downloaded this years ago. And you know what it's a lot better than? (laughs) What? It's a lot better than the incredibly average remake to Assault on Precinct 13 that I watched this week. You told me that it was better than I remembered, and I was like, I'm pretty sure it's fine. I mean, I'll say this. I remember starting it a ways back, and I remember enjoying the opening of it, and then it just completely derails after where I got where I left off. Like, I was started it, and I was like, yeah, this is okay. I kind of like this. This is like a good Ethan Hawke performance. And then the minute they get to the prison, that movie just derails because I think the central thesis of the original movie is – it's not really their fault that they're getting attacked because they're just happened to be there. It didn't matter who was going to be there. Yeah. They were going to get attacked. Whereas with this, it's because of like a corruption thing, like involving the police are dirty and like Lawrence Fishburne's character knows about it. Cause he's like a gangster, but he's in on it with them. And you're just like, no, I don't want that. I want the, I want them to have to come together because of like, because they have to, because it's just sheer survival not because it's, like, the right thing to do. Hawk and Fishburne are both really good in it. It just doesn't work as a movie overall. And also, like, there's, like, two performances in it that you're just like, boy, you two are in different movies. That's what I remember. It's, like, it's fine. It's like, it's yeah, solid, it's solid okay. two out of five. Good. Like, that's honestly, like, if you were to be like, what's a two out of five movie? I'd be like, Assault on Precinct 13. Perfectly serviceable. Well, I guess that takes us to our first movie by a female director, and... Our first movie is by a young woman who just took home the top prize for Nomadland, and that's Miss Chloe Zhao. But this takes us back a movie before that, and this is her 2017 contribution, and it is about a Bronco rider, played by Brady Jandaru, who's coming to grips with his life changing as a result of a major injury. Chloe Zhao stuns in her second feature, she not only establishes a vision as well as a voice, but also proves her talent in drawing performances from the most unlikely of places. This is the 2017 film starring Brady Jandaru, Tim Jandaru, Lily Jandaru, and is simply entitled The Rider. this on your own or someone teach you my mom and dad my mom and dad taught me about everything I know and I learned a lot of being on the back looking down them ears oh good boy you didn't even know you did that did you good boy you just led well, I'm gonna ask you to do that in a minute all right I'm gonna ask you to do that in a minute 
Step forward. Step forward. Step forward. Oh, wow. Oh. Look at that. Oh. I can, I'm going to touch you up there. I'm going to touch you up there. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Sorry, I was too tight on you there. Just gotta let you trust me. Gotta quit trying to force you. Just trust me, bro. No, Stay with me. I hope for you. I hope for you. I know you're turning away from your buddies, and I know you don't want to do that. Why, Cooperies? Why? What I'm teaching right now is pressure. There's a good boy. Is that on? Oh, right. uh, cool Keep race. going. One, two, three. <laughs> Go back. Go back. Yep. See that? It comes off like that. His dad never had no buck. He just would let us get on, but. He would always keep an eye on us. Keep going, bud. Wow, that's amazing. A horse that never had nobody on his back before. You tell he wants to learn. Oh yeah, he's smart. He's yeah. real smart. That's a lot of trust he has in you. Yeah. Chloe Zhao is the next Terrence Malick. I don't know how better to put it. <laughs> this does have that Malick feel, especially Th since it's this and this... Nomadland do. They both do. I mean, this is in the Badlands, baby. Oh man, this is this is gorgeous. Like it's great. Oh. I'm so mad I haven't seen this until now. Like my parents told me to watch this like when it first came out. Like my parents were on this movie somehow. I was on this movie because it was like a Western and... Isn't some of it shot around here? Mm, that's a different movie. Are you sure? I could have sworn the writer had some stuff done here for some reason. I know for a fact that there was a movie that was shot in Carson. With friends who worked on it. It was hmm. not this movie. It's a different movie about a guy who uh, tames horses in a prison. It was shot at the that's, prison in Carson City. That's the movie I'm thinking of, yes. Yeah. But they uh, did talk about the writer. Maybe I'm just conferring those two movies in my head. I think they kind of they have pretty similar ideas. Pretty sure that movie's called Prison Horse, and it's about a horse who goes to prison. Motherfucking Bruce Dern's in it, so yeah, he plays the horse. <laughs> he voices him. It's one of those <laughs> movies. <laughs> I just told you I was fucking blind. That's my, that's my Bruce Dern as a horse in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Seventies Bruce Dern could definitely play a horse. That's very true. He is long. How did she pull this off? Uh, so her first two films very much feel much more indebted. And I'm going to say this into like the Italian neo neorealism tradition of like, you, you just have people who aren't really actors and you just make a movie with them. <laughs> and they act like, not as like themselves, but as people like close to themselves, like, um, her first film, Songs My Brother Taught Me, which is a very good first film. I was about to ask if you had seen that, actually. 
it's very solid. Like you're, you're like, okay, yeah, that's a good film. It played at the Cannes Film Festival where it was nominated for the Camera d'Or, which is the like first film prize uh, at Cannes, which we did not mention. Much like with that movie, this movie, a lot of the characters, their first names are the same. So it kind of, I mean, immediately lends you this realism of, like, Brady plays Brady. And, like, you know, Cat plays Cat, like, Cat uh, Clifford plays Cat Clifford. Lane Scott plays Lane Scott. Like, holy fuck is Lane Scott a bummer. It's a bummer. All real people who really were Bronco writers. So I talked about this movie essentially ripping off the wrestler. Like, guys, seriously, if you have seen the wrestler, I'm not kidding. This movie pretty much, the only thing is this movie ends on a much, like, happier note. Is it happier? <laughs> yes, because he chooses life over the thing that he loves that is going to kill him. Whereas in the wrestler, he chooses the thing that's going to kill him over life. You can say he went out doing what he loved, but is at the end of the a happy ending? I mean, I'm. I'm just I don't saying, know. I'm just saying, and this this movie's about Brady, and Brady is a Bronco rider, and he is a guy who, I mean, when you first see him, half of his head is shaved, and he has <laughs> staples in his head. He's fucked up. Jesus um, Christ, that's he, real, isn't it? It's a real injury that he suffered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it wasn't real at the time, but he has those scars. Because that's an actual injury that he did suffer at one point in time. And the injury um, essentially is he went out on a horse, the horse threw him, and then the horse stepped on his head. The horse said, fuck you, and, and tried, to, tried to turn him into a Gallagher watermelon. I would um, like to say that he pulled a Seth Rollins when he almost killed Edge. <laughs> oh, when he almost killed Edge. Brady has this injury. And, I mean, that's kind of the crux of the whole movie. It's It's the same thing. The, you open on the injury on Brady, you open on Mickey Rourke in the locker room, like coughing up blood. Like both of these guys do are doing things that are hurting them. And I think the difference with this movie and with the wrestler is the perspective of time. Mm -hmm. Like the right Brady is like, young. he is like maybe in his late twenties, maybe early thirties, but I think he's more or less like 25, 24. Like, he's very young in this movie. So for him to kind of be, like, broken down and at the end of, like, his bull riding career, it is that, like, thing that always terrifies me. It's like, man, like, what if you, like, <laughs> like realize that your career is over at, like, 28? You know what I mean? Like, isn't that, like, terrifying? Oh, oh absolutely. <laughs> like, the difference between the two movies is, you're right, is, like, Mickey Rourke got a career... This guy's career is snuffed out so, like, briefly. And so brutally. Like, it's just so matter-of-fact. Whereas the wrestler is essentially him, like, realizing that, like, he doesn't really have anything on this earth anymore. So he's just going to go out doing what he loves. Which is a brutal and sad ending. This movie is much more about, like, him figuring out his place in the world and realizing that there might be a life after this. And... It's still, like, just one of the most brutally sad movies I think I've ever watched. Oh, it is. But it's also one of the most beautiful movies. I was not joking earlier when I said she's the new Malik. There are shots of that movie where he's riding, or there are just shots of that movie, like, at, like, dusk, where he's just outside, where you're just like, this might be the most beautiful movie I've ever seen. Like... It, yeah, it's gorgeous. And it's, it's just... amazing to think it's a second movie, too, because usually your second movie is a lot clunkier. 
this makes me feel like she, like her first movie is probably the one where she worked out her stuff. Honestly, I think the people who second movie is better than their first have usually better careers. Usually. I mean, I think the first movie is typically like I've wanted to make this movie forever. I think what's interesting about Chloe Zhao is she's like fucking rich. Is she? <laughs> like, yeah, she like comes from like, she like, you know, grew up in China, moved to America to study NYU, and then just kind of got fixated with American culture. Let me tell you, she's about to be more rich. Uh, she, yeah, I know. She was, you know, pretty rich. Her family's pretty rich from everything I've read about her. And she kind of just got fascinated with, like, American Western mythology. And, like, that's basically what her first three movies are. Interesting. Their song The Rillers Taught Me is literally, like, about... Sioux Falls Native American clan and Nomadland is you know clearly Nomadland we've I think we've talked about it and so I think this one to me is the one I think is the strongest still it's just I don't know man like this movie is just so fucking good I will agree with you and having not seen the first one I agree that out of out of this and Nomadland this is the stronger of the two and I do actually think it's because, like, this guy is not an actor. Like, I think, honestly, like, Frances McDormand, say what you will, she's really good in that movie. I mean, some would argue she's the best performance in the female acting category that year. But there's just something about him where you're like, no, that dude went back to, like, doing bowl stuff, like, after this ended. And it's kind of like, it's that Linklater thing. Linklater did that early in his career as well. There is just something about him never acting ever again, where, like... You're just like, okay, that's that guy. You know what I mean? Like, that's just him. And they filmed his story for, like, a couple hours. You know what I mean? Like, all of these people, all of the, like, Blackburn family, the the the, the Jando family, the Jando family, like, they never really ever acted ever again. And, like, ah, something, there's just something to that. Like, it quarantines this movie off to where it makes it feel more realistic. The only person that has come back is uh, Kat Clifford, who's in all three of her movies as Kat or Kat Clifford. He's in Nomadland as Kat, which is interesting. But I, I just think this movie specifically taps into neorealism tradition of just like these are real places these are real people they're they're acting inside their real homes they're acting in their real clothes they're using their real names like they're not actors like they're people inhabiting a role that is essentially themselves and she nails that too like she just kind of lets them be i mean some of the best stuff is when she's just letting lily just kind of riff like you want to talk about like the heart and soul of this movie like like, say what you will, like, one of the reasons he chooses life over it is because of Lily. Yeah. The movie lets you see what he sees in his family. All of the struggle, all of the, like, difficulties he has, how much he dislikes his father, how much his father is kind of a dick. But, like, no. how much he loves his friends. <laughs> well, his father, no. his father, no, his father's a really good dude at the end of the day. Like, that scene He's... where. Yeah, That's, no, he that... is. Yeah, like, it's amazing how they turn characters to and fro. Because, like, at one point, you kind of hate Brady, too. You kind of hate, like, most people in this movie. <laughs> yeah, um, well, not well, not Lily. You don't not hate Lily. Lily. No, not Lily or Lane or any of his friends. But, like, you kind of hate, like, the 
the main two dudes like just like like Wayne and Brady you can see that Wayne is like disappointed in his son like he didn't want him to to be like this you know what I mean like he wanted more for him or something like that and you can just kind of feel it that he's like disappointed and there's no outlet for him to emote it and so the way he lets it out is by like putting his son down in like these really like flippant ways Oh, and he, I mean, but it's also it's very real though too. Oh because no, no, he, yeah. He says to him like he says like he goes like he says you can't sell that horse. He goes it's gotta eat. He goes what do you want your sister not to have a place? Like he's also very pragmatic about it. I mean the moment the like harshest moment in the movie is where he turns away from me. He says he goes I'm not gonna be like you and gets in the gets in the car. There's this genius to it where Zhao gives you just this super realistic perspective about it. Like nothing, nothing about this movie feels fake. Like you feel like this movie is just like kind of happening at moments. Yeah. Like you just kind of feel like you're watching like a documentary, which is that, that realism, you know and I mean? It's like that Italian style where it's like, Oh, I kind of feel like I've just sort of stumbled into real thing. Have you seen any neorealism? I don't know. <laughs> Name some neorealisms. Bicycle thieves, shoe shine. I've seen The Bicycle Thieves, but that's that's a different movie. That's a different movie. What about Rome, Open City? Antonioni? Any, like, La Aventura, La Noite, uh, La Eclipse? La Aventura. Is that about a woman bathing in a fountain at one point? Maybe. It's been a while since I've seen it. And it's about a woman that goes missing. I think I've seen La Aventura. Been years, though. I mean, no, not really. So is that what she's kind of aping here? Kind of, yeah. This, like... Like I said, like it's people playing like themselves. Most famously, I think it was Roberto Rossellini was one of the main gentlemen of the realism movement of the time. Hold on, let me look up Roberto Rossellini. Specifically with his movie Rome Up and City, I think is like the like one of the big ones where it was shot under occupation in Italy, and it's about. <laughs> the occupation in Italy. <laughs> and it's like a very dramatic and like really just fucking baller ass movie. It introduced Anna Mangiani to the world and is just like really good and like very clearly like a movie that's like touching on a lot of real world issues while, you know, having real world issues kind of unfold around it. This similarly feels like that. I mean, I'm not going to say it's like the same thing. Like, they're not shooting under occupation, but in many ways feels like it's using these characters' real lives in order to tell this story. Like, that scene where they're sitting around the campfire and they're all just, like, telling, like, horror stories of getting, like, fucked up in a rodeo. That's so real and so personal and such a wonderful scene. I think that is why. I think that's why I like it better than Nomadland. I think... What it hits on, I think everyone in it is real. I think Francis McDormand, if you know actors, kind of takes you out of it a little bit. A little bit. I think it's also just like every character in this feels like, like so human and so like tied to their humanity that there's really no way, there's really just like no way to like, to take that out of them. You know what I mean? Like there's just every moment with his friends, like with, cat or at the bar with tanner like 
you just get this sense of like this is a real place these are real things that have happened these are real people going about their lives or like i said in that scene where they're just like hanging around the campfire and they're just talking you kind of just like you're just like oh i'm watching like real people tell like horror stories it's like one of those things where it's like i know you have been through this very similar thing that I have been through. Therefore, we can talk about it like it's funny, even though it's not funny. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, if you were, like, in a shooting, you can talk to other people who are also in a shooting in a way that no one else in the world is going to be able to understand. You'd just be like, yeah, I kept my head down, and I rolled across the floor, and they're like, I've been there, and you can all like, laugh. Yeah, some other guy's like, why is that funny? And you're like, you had to be there. It's that relatability when like something horrible happens that you can you can relate with other people who have been in that horrible situation in a way that no one else can. And I think, you know, there's moments like that that just give this movie just such depth that, like, yeah. make it so good to watch again and again. I saw this in theaters. I went with my friend Heather, who is the best, and who would go to go with Western, go go watch westerns with me. But historically, my favorite story of hers is that she had to talk her way into Roman J. Israel Esquire because she showed up as the movie was starting, <laughs> and had to be like, "Please, just like let me in. My friends here," and like had to like chat up. <laughs> like the baby mean, gay behind it. What do you mean had to talk her way into it? Because the movie had started, and it's cine, it's Cinemark policy to not let people buy tickets after the movie has started. There so might be a misconception to... here. It might be the fact that like it had been so far into it that they couldn't sell her a ticket for it. Yeah, no. Once the movie had started, they like couldn't sell you tickets anymore. Okay, now I got you. And cool. so like persuade and flirt with the person behind the counter to be like, please just. Let me buy a ticket to this movie. <laughs> and I think they just, they, she's just like, okay, I'll just let you buy a ticket to a different movie. But me and Heather, we like saw it was coming up. We were like, well, fucking, we're going to make a day of this. We both have a day. We were like figuring out our days off. And we went and saw it. And it was one of those times where you go and see a movie and you just like afterwards are just like, Does this hit home with you? Yeah, it hit home with me. Hmm. You, ha you have friends like this? Yeah, I got friends like this. And, like, that was it. That was the whole conversation. It's just like, you're bummed out? I'm bummed out. We're just going to walk back to my apartment, and we're going to we're gonna go our separate ways. Because, <laughs> like, Jesus Christ. It was such a bummer. And we, were both, we both had people in our lives where we're just like, yeah, friends who definitely had something like that happen, who it was very clear, like, maybe you should stop riding your motorcycle if you keep crashing it. And then just didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And, and let's talk about the Lane Scott of it all. Exactly. Thank you. That's, that's where I want to get to. That's an incredible, like, every time he's with Lane Scott, you're just like, this is incredible. The scene at the end where, like, he's, where he's, like, talking to him and, like, he's, he, like, they're, like, they're mimicking like he's on, like, he's on the Bronco is just one of the best moments. It's one of those moments where it could easily feel like it's becoming exploitive but it never does like it never like gets into that and you it's just it be, it's just so heart-wrenching and you're just like i love this kid i like i hope he does the right thing like it's the it's like that moment when he goes like see him the first time and like every time you see him where you're just like fuck brady please just don't don't make the wrong choice like god i just want you to you know make it through this 
I'm like tearing up just thinking about it. It's so fucking well, sad. <laughs> well, because like, I mean, he has to work at Walmart. Like, I'm not saying that that's like something to like dig on someone for, but like, he was this guy. Like, like people know who he is, and you can just tell like it hurts because because the one thing that's been wounded is his pride. The line from DiCaprio, like when he's talking about Easy Breezy, he said he's feeling useless. He doesn't feel like he can do it anymore. Mm-hmm. And like that's it's the one thing. Say what you will. Like Brady woke up every morning. He's like, yes, I can do this. I can do this. And I can do this. And those things are fine. But those things don't pay the bills. But I'm good at this. Mm-hmm. And and the beautiful thing is they show it to you. One of the most beautiful scenes in the movie, and you you cannot fake this. Like he had to know how to do this, is when he talks that horse down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's it's an incredible moment. It's probably going to be the scene we're going to come out of. Oh, but for just sure. like just where that guy goes, the guy goes. I've never seen someone do that with a horse before. Like. And it's true. It's because Brady's like this fucking magician when it comes to like talking horses into like being okay around people. Yeah. Unless your name is Apollo. Apollo. Yeah. He does have a, a very Apollo Creed feel. I I was just thinking like. No, I meant the horse named Apollo that they oh, shoot. That's the that's toughest right. Part All right. Yeah, that is a rough. That is a rough moment. Sorry. Every time you say Apollo, I always think of Creed. That's just where my head goes, baby. I think what the movie does really well is it never like trivializes like how much pain and suffering these dudes go through for like what is like a very for like eight seconds you know what i mean like it's like it's short amount of time and yet you kind of get why they would do it because like you get these like these scenes of brady working a day job and you get why he's like, no, I got to get back into it. Like, I got to get back on the horse, like metaphorically and literally, because like real life sucks and I hate it. It's like, so what if I could die? It's worth the threat of dying if it means not having to fucking stock this shelf ever again. He's chasing a high. Yeah. I mean, say what you will. It's the same. Like, but at the same time, he's also doing it because it's his art. To a certain extent. Yeah, it's like the thing that he's good at. It's it's also what he loves. Oh, yeah, he's amazing at it. And the thing is, too, it's like, how is there not a high-paying job for someone like him to talk horses like that? I don't know. I mean, it can make a fair amount of money breaking horses in. I feel like he would. Like, that seems like where his bread and butter should be. What is the most real moment in the movie to you? The most real scene to me in this movie... I think I gotta go back to the them talking around the 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 fire and like just them talking about yeah because it just it it just feels so much like conversations I've had with people you know what I mean where you just like <laughs> we're like in the middle of the night you just like yeah I've had like horrible thoughts or like I've been through like horrible shit with my father and like you know like oh you've been with horrible shit through your father I've also been with horrible shit through my father and just like you get into these like really 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 real conversations with people. And yeah, I think that scene. I also think the scene where he goes to the pawn shop and tries to pawn his uh his saddle is also Oof, so yeah. fucking sad. I mean, I I think it's the scene where they put down that horse. Like yeah, like just and you know it's it's the real turning moment for the dad too because you can see the dad knows it hurts him. Like mm-hmm. like Apollo was like it looked like Apollo was gonna be something he could do. Like like he was gonna like fix that horse and like they were gonna be able to do something. And then it just he ran and you're just like like nothing's going right for this guy yeah that's a fucking bummer moment 
Soul movie is just a movie full of bummer moments, but it, guess what? Fucking A-plus movie. Oh, yeah. A-plus so, movie. You can't really talk about this. This movie is just kind of watching Brady Blackburn's life kind of unfold post this injury and just, like, how he kind of, like, is trying to get back to where he was and also maybe reconciling with the fact that he can't go back to where he was. Yeah. I, once again, I'm going to say this. Uh, this is a vibes movie. The vibes happen to be terrible. but it is still a vibes movie it's a movie that like when it came out i watched i was like this is my maybe one of my favorite movies of the year and i never had the urge to rewatch it like i was just like i never want to watch that again it's just it's too sad it's too good it'll it i don't need to cry right now so i don't need to watch it and i think this movie and specifically the movie i would pair this with which is leave no trace which both have like very similar but like kind of opposite stories you should watch leave no trace it's fucking amazing that's but, the um, ben foster movie right it's a ben foster it's one of the best ben foster performance ben foster an actor i typically don't love in a movie really um, see i think ben foster's never bad in anything well here's the thing he's never bad but he's always giving a ben foster performance mm-hmm. mm. <laughs> which can be a which in some movies can be a bit much See Hostiles, where he gives the fucking most Ben Foster performance. Uh, you well, can I don't, give I don't know. Have you seen 30 Days of Night? That's a pretty big Ben Foster. Right. Um, <laughs> By the windows, try to hide. You're just like, okay, Ben Foster. But yeah. the, okay, the, the reason I think Hostiles is, is the movie I think about is because it's a movie in which everyone is mumbling. Like, all of the dialogue is, like, whispered. And then he is doing like the Ben Foster, like, I'm gonna fucking cut your ass, yeah, fucking eat him, because I'm a fucking psychopath, I'm gonna fucking murder you. Like, he's given like the Ben Foster, like, soft, and then, like, I'm not, I'm loud, and then I'm soft again, but then I get loud. Like, oh, Ben Foster. Like, he's doing like essentially just Hell or High Water part two. He's a guy who passed. He's the guy who doesn't get enough, who I feel like is a guy who, like, I th- I think he's just waiting for Benicio to move on in his career <laughs> so he can slide into the Benicio del Toro lane. And like I said, I like Ben Wester. I like I like you know eleven fourteen. I think is a good movie. I like I like Phone Booth. He's in apparently. Ben Foster um, in Phone Booth apparently. But like most specifically, oh he's the rapper. I love him in Leave No Trace. It is like I feel like it it takes what was good about him in Hell or High Water and then like magnifies it. Like he's really just like. Wonderful, silent little performances. It's great. It also, I think, is shot up here in the Pacific Northwest. It is definitely a movie that I will pair with. I think there were essentially movies, this this movie and the writer, were 1A, 1B, and 1C with a first reformed from the best of 2018 list. That was a good year for movies, wasn't it? Was a really good year for movies. But the thing is with those two movies is because they're so bleak, Lee sad and like also just so really good. I just don't want to watch them ever again because I have like a perfect memory of seeing them in theaters. Whereas I could probably watch First Reform on repeat for the rest of my life. Well, because First Reform is a giggle fest. Like, it's a, I mean, it's I mean a, you are just you are just wearing your knee out from how much a you're laugh a minute. Yeah. Oh man, like Ethan Hawke is Jerry Lewis reincarnated in that movie. 
You know, I just I, have... I hope one person hears this. Just I don't even care if it's now. I want it to be years from now, and they're like, "Oh, this first reform movie sounds really funny." I mean, this movie was a bummer, but I hope this first reform this first reform movie sounds like it's a laugh a minute. I'm glad Tyler had a comedy on his list that year, and they just watch it and go, "The fuck wasn't funny? Who is this?" <laughs> First like reform. just I'm I'm in the fucking store and I just see some guy staring at me. Can I help you? He goes first reformed wasn't funny and just like shoots at me and I'm like oh my god, this happened. <laughs> the gypsy was right. <laughs> I think whoever this is, if you've watched first reform and you don't and you and you you're like okay it was not funny. I don't know why I thought it was funny. Clearly they're making jokes about it not being funny. I I want you. To, you should what you should do is pause, stop like first reforms over get get on the internet find ingmar bergman's winter light it is just a laugh riot it's one of the funniest comedies ever written then watch that movie just do oh, a double um, feature you know and if you're feeling limber and you say to yourself you know what i am not chuckled out akira kurosawa's akiru is the uh, <laughs> is the third one i would highly recommend <laughs> Now, let's just say, Tyler, for the sake of argument, before we get to my final three questions, you wanted to make it a film festival, and you need four films <laughs> technically to make it a film festival. What would be the fourth comedy that you would pick for these people in their, their laugh a minute? We have First Reformed, because, I'm sorry, First Reformed is a comedy. Those first two are not. Yes. Those first yes. two were your dramatic ones. First Reformed, we have Winter Light, we yeah. have Akiru, and what would be our fourth finishing it off midnight movie you know all fun all thriller no killer a henry portrait of a serial killer or if you don't want to go that route if you don't want to go that route i have a backup i have a backup plan solo 120 days of solo <laughs> this is that moment in that conan sketch where the woman goes you're a real son of a bitch and he goes i know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's about right well, before we get to the final two questions, I'm going to ask you, you get in an elevator, what would be your pitch for this? Oh, God. You want to just feel, like, bummed out? I you know, guess. You know how, like, when you want to feel, like, bummed out, you're like, man, I want a movie that just really fucking puts me through the brain emotionally. Yeah, but, like, you want to watch one that's also, like, beautiful to look at and, like, you know, good. Have I got a movie for you? Chloe Zhao's second movie, The Writer. Very good. You should watch it guest ask you i don't think i need to ask you what you would pair it with you said leave no trace yeah leave no trace ben foster let me look up who directed it i think it's deborah pretty sure it's Blaney. chuck norris pretty sure he directed it i have that fucking fucker's... funny would it be if chuck norris directed like a movie like that just like a good movie i would lose my absolute mind because i'd be like I get, am i a fucking chuck norris fan deborah granick okay i heard that movie's great i want to see that movie Leave No Trace is fucking fantastic. She did Winner's Bone. Oh, that's why I know her. Yeah. Winner's, Bo Winner's Bone is good, too. Say what you will. I'm not a Jennifer Lawrence fan for the most part. But Winner's Bone is that first performance where I'm like, yeah, I get why she's going to be around. You get, you get, yeah, you're like, oh, I get this. She's never um, been as good as Winner's Bone again. I'm going to say that, too. Like, she apexed early. That's a problem. I do, wait, I do like her in... There's one movie I liked, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. In. Well, you love American Hustle, top to I bottom. I do love American Hustle. No notes. <laughs> the concept of you, just like all the other things that about you remain the same, but you just have a staunch love for American Hustle. <laughs> Fucking insane, right? 
God, that movie's bad. What if what if it was The Beaver? What if that was the movie I loved? Oh, I love I like Mother. I like her in Mother. I fucking just don't give a shit about Mother, and it isn't even her. It's just I think that movie is very like it's just it it feels like how to you know what Peter Griffin said it best. It insists upon itself. You know, I was thinking about a movie that insists upon itself. Oh yeah, what movie? I thought it was Midsummer, but it's not Midsummer. It's a different movie. Hereditary. It just no, no, it wasn't any of those. It was like it was like a. I think it was like. Fuck! What was it? I was like doing dishes, and so I had like a whole hour to myself to just like think of dumb shit. That's my favorite. I was just like, oh yeah, this movie insists upon itself to myself, and then I was just like, I have to write that down. I never did. Anyway, what do you give the writer? A four and a half. You know what? I'm, I think I, I think I gave out too many five stars, but I'm giving out enough five stars. No, no, you. This was like one of your favorite movies from 2018. If this isn't five, I don't know what is. Yeah, this might be one of my favorite movies yeah. of all time. I love this movie. Yeah, I can imagine this being on on a big screen is pretty affecting in some ways. Her pretty. her shots of him just riding are just incredible. Like that movie that movie goes from feeling like an independent movie to feeling like this is the most important big budget shot you've ever seen. Like yeah. that's why I think you will sit through Eternals and not be pissed off. Uh, You'll be pissed off, but that's just because it's gonna be a it's gonna be a Marvel movie. I think if anybody can get me to sit through a Marvel movie the whole thing all the way through, it's probably Chloe Zhao. Well, I guess that takes us on to our second movie by another woman. By the way, for all of you who are like, what was the movie that was shot in Carson City? I live here. I want to know. It was called The Mustang. The Mustang. And we're going to jump from 2017 to last year, where everything was going so well for everyone. Remember last year? I don't. Fucking right. And one of the people it was going really well for was Miranda July. And we finally got the long-awaited third film by Miss July. And it is an interesting dark comedy about a family of con artists. A strange but intriguing performance by Evan Rachel Wood is nice through line for the entire feature and makes one wish that she appeared in things more regularly. It co-stars Richard Jenkins, Deborah Winger, and Gina Rodriguez. It is the 2020 movie starring Evan Rachel Wood, Kajillionaire. Shit, we don't have time to be horsing around. That was our best thing. It's a new camera I didn't know. Uh, this is really bad. Mm-hmm. Once your face is in their system, they got you fines, yep. 401k, home equity. Mm-hmm. But maybe you want all that, I don't know. Me, I prefer to just skim. So do I. Do you? Oh, that's interesting. Because most people want to be cajillionaires. That's the dream. That's how they get you hooked. Hooked on sugar, hooked on caffeine. Ha ha ha, cry, cry, cry. Mother, daughter, getaway. Oh, fuck, does that help us get there? Come on, think. Okay, so... We all fly to New York together on Wednesday, and then we fly right back as strangers. So, at the baggage carousel, we don't know each other. Don't don't look at me. I'm looking around. I want to make sure these are our bags. 
Excuse me, sir. Is this the luggage for the flight from New York? You two know each other. We're a couple. Yeah. I see. Yeah, I'm the dum-dum now. The bachelor's degree. She doesn't even know what that is. Then you accidentally take my bags and go home. I'll stay at the airport and report my loss. Luckily, I have traveler's insurance, so they'll issue us a check for... Uh, <clears throat> $1,575, which we can just sign right over to Stovic the next day and be uh, more than a full week early. Do you like Kajillionaire? Yeah. Like parts of it. It's it's good. I was never like a okay. I don't like me, you and everyone we know. I like me, you and everyone we know a lot, actually. I have I it's just I remember watching it. I think I need to I need to rewatch it. After watching Kajillionaire, I'm like, I should probably rewatch that. Because I I don't I just was ugh. it was like a specific time. I think when I watched it where I just really fucking hated twee shit. And that movie's very twee. Twee is like very cute and like Oh, so like, I think that's a rough movie in a lot of ways. No, it is, but Twee is, is kind of like this dynamic of like how the fuck do I explain Twee? Excessively or affect affect uh, affectedly quaint, pretty, or sentimental. So, like, Twee's kind of, like, this, like, affected version of cute, like, too, like, or, like, quaint or weird to, like, an exaggerated level. And I think me you and everyone we know is very Twee. I think Amelie is also, like, considered very Twee, oh. even though Amelie's, like, very <laughs> okay. dark and weird. And I kind of okay. love Amelie. You put Vaseline along the edges of the lens to soften it. I see what you're saying. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, okay. I got this. I got what you're saying. And the first time I watched Me and Everyone, I think it was just around a time where I was just like, I really am fucking over this type of shit. You know what I mean? Like, I really just don't don't really want to watch this, like, twee people annoy me for an hour and a half. It's got John Hawks in it. He's so good. I, and I love John Hawks. I was next to him at a Sonic Youth concert. Good band. Yeah. Song good actor. Live. Interviewed Kim Gordon. Shut the fuck up. I'm Please just going to keep. No, 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 no. You keep doing the once upon a time in Hollywood on 35 millimeter shit to me. You know where that hurts. You know that hurts. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing that to you. I don't think I forgot. The difference is, is that you could eventually see it on 35 millimeter. I will never, never again. be able to see It'll never happen again. It'll never happen you, again. You motherfucker. I wouldn't walk across the street to see, see it right now. Actually, that's not true. If they were showing. Once upon a time in Hollywood at the uh, in and out across the street, I'd be like, yeah, I'll go get another burger and watch that movie on a big screen. Oh, are you out of your mind? What are you crazy? This is Russia. I'm not not going. It feels like we're desperately not trying to talk about Gajillionaire. Gajillionaire, it's good. Like, I didn't realize it was ever Rachel Wood. Really? You didn't I, recognize like, her? Didn't recognize her at all. And then it's I was a like, performance. It's a really, really good performance. It's. Sadly, I have been doing uh, what's her name? Old Dolio, Dolio, Old Dolio. Yeah, I've been doing Old Dolio like around the house, and it's it's annoying. You're making everyone <laughs> uncomfortable. You're making everyone uncomfortable. Or like, I have. A I like that you have an Old Dolio impression going right now. This this makes me happy to hear. We go to the airport. We go to New York. How is that going to fix anything? Hear me out. Hear me out. I have a plan. 
She's so good. And so, the, I mean, yeah, let's let's get into it with that. This is a movie about three people who are a family, played by Deborah Winger, Richard Jenkins, and their daughter, Evan Rachel Wood, who are a group of con artists. Mm-hmm. Very low-level petty con artists. That uh, I think that's the fun part of it. It's just like they break into the mailboxes and like take gifts and stuff like that but they they they, the first time they show it they don't get like anything good it's just like oh i got a tie (laughs) oh this is a this is a good tie this is a good tie this is a good tie yeah they get like what they find like a watch or something like that it's a fun little setup and like i didn't realize it was out of rachel wood i definitely recognized richard jenkins immediately because i'm like that's 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 him that's the guy you know you have those people like that where you just that's the guy you know richard jenkins is so funny like and also like kind of mildly upsetting in this movie yeah so is deborah winger who's also like very good mildly upsetting in this movie i don't Uh, even recognize deborah winger in that performance that's a pretty incredible performance by her too I just love Richard Jenkins because they have this thing when, like, anytime there's an earthquake where Richard Jenkins immediately starts freaking out and he's like, don't touch anything. <laughs> it's electric. My, yeah. That pays off in such the funniest way where it's like it, a fucking earthquake starts happening and old Dolio is like, get in the center of the room. Don't touch the doorknobs. Get away from the get away from the door beams. And it's like it's like all of the worst things, like the things you don't want to do. And it's like it makes I don't know. That made me laugh so hard. Oh, you feel so bad for old Dolio. Evan Rachel Wood is old Dolio, and she is this daughter of these two people who are just kind of like, I, I think Richard Jenkins puts it best. He goes, he goes, I just want to skim. That's him. He's like, he just wants to take a little percentage because he believes life owes it to him. And like, they're behind on their rent. And like, there are so many moments in this movie where you're just like, fucking someone punch Richard Jenkins in the back of the head, please. <laughs> yes. It's very much a Miranda July movie, too. It is, for better or worse. Have you seen The Future, her middle chapter movie? I haven't. Is it good? I have not seen it either. I was curious. I'm interested in revisiting her works. I really enjoyed this. I thought this was really fun and really cute. (laughs) And... Like I said, I had a hard time with me and everyone know, but like I was like, so I was like worried. So what worked about this? Because this still feels very much in the vein of me, you and everyone we know. I like I think... the characters don't feel quite real the same way the, the characters in you, me and everyone we know don't qu- quite feel real. This, I think, works because I want to be around old Dolio. Like, I think she's an interesting character and I kind of like want her to have a happy ending whereas there's something about Miranda July and like some of the other people in me and everyone we know where I'm just like I don't want to be in the same room as you like I don't want to be around you like you annoy me and I think that's just like a like I watched it when I was like 25 which I know is only like three years ago but I was a much different person and much harsher on movies when I was 25 and so I feel like I would probably give it like a more fair shake of the stick it's got a a beautiful criterion edition i know that yeah yeah you should should check it out on the channel and see maybe you should i let's that's how i watched it last time and then like they have all these like short films that marina july did where she's kind of doing like a performance art thing and i'm like okay maybe that's more interesting and more my speed but like this movie i think is more interesting because the characters it's certainly her best written characters of the two movies i've seen they well they feel more 
like of a class that I understand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I know like Richard Jenkins and Deborah Winger's character and like old Dolio's character. Like, I feel like I've met like a version of them were like these people who are like kind of con artists, but they're like, they're both simultaneously like not good at it. And also like are okay. They're good at it, but like, they don't want to do it so much that they make like a whole lot of money. They just kind of want to get by. Yeah. They're like working stiff con artists. These people who've kind of like checked out of the American dream and are kind of living on the fringe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which I think is, is an interesting place for your characters to occupy at the very least. Yeah, it does feel like Richard Jenkins says like it can all fall apart at one moment. Like, so why not just kind of live every day like it's the last? Because it probably will be at some point. Mm-hmm. The clip we're going to go in from is old Dolio giving the explanation of what her con idea is. Because they, because the dad, the dad and the mom come up with all the cons, and old Dolio comes up with a con. Yeah, and the and the con is essentially just like when you lose the luggage that's been insured the airport will just give you a check for like a thousand dollars just because like they're like you can't recoup all of it we don't know what you lost so like here's the max payment or whatever and so essentially that's what that's the plan is to like go to new york come back as separate people have them take the luggage essentially just have evan richard wood stand there and be like i lost my luggage and it's going well and it's it's like a good scheme it doesn't hurt anybody (laughs) you're just taking money from the fucking airplanes like fuck them they're already uh, making a lot of money. Good scheme. I love it. Do you know um, do you know what it, do you know what they give people on plane? It's practically peanuts. <sighs> <laughs> Go ahead, boomy, I don't care. Anyway, I give Kajillionaire this many stars, and that's the end of the show, folks. He just walked out. <laughs> he just disconnected. I'm like, well, that was that was erratic. So yeah, it works up until a point until the dad starts talking to this bubbly little Latina uh, young lady who's played by G- Gina Rodriguez fucking destroys in this movie. I she's like I don't know who this girl is, but let's give this girl a career. She's great. Oh, fuck, what do I know Gina Rodriguez from? She's TV Jane show. the Virgin. I know that. She's Jane the Virgin. That's yeah. True. Like, but I've never watched that show. This was my first experience where I was like, huh, maybe Jane the Virgin might be worth looking into. He's in Deepwater Horizon. Oh. Um, that movie's a movie. You know, Scott's moments. Deepwater Horizon. Do I know that? You know, it's directed by known terrible person Peter Berg, starring. Known oh, that movie's bad. That movie's terrible bad, yeah. person Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, it's fine. She's in Annihilation. That's where I know her from. Yes, that is the other thing she's in. Gina Rodriguez is slamming in this, and she's like this girl returning slamming. back from New York. No, she is. <laughs> she's fucking slamming in this. She she's fucking slamming. slams. And she is headed back to New York and she makes friends with them because they sit apart. Old Dolio's not sitting with the parents. By the way, the scene where she looks at New York is just gorgeous. It's great. That almost feels like that almost feels like Miranda July also like just kind of like looking at New York. I think the fact that it's using that like Mr. Lonely song, it feels very Miranda July. Yeah. And they come back and Gina Rodriguez, they kind of spill the beans to her and like she like goes with them and kind of just joins them on this little like life of like just like screwing people out of like slight amounts of money. 
Yeah, yeah. Like, and old Dolio's not happy with it. No, because you sort of get the sense slowly that like old Dolio has been a, treated as like a young woman ever since she was a tiny little child. And well, the way she dresses. Yeah. Like she dresses like an old lady. It's so funny. Like, like say what you will, Evan Rachel Wood physically in this movie. It's one of the funniest performances of last year. The way she like bends down to avoid being seen. That's that's the scene. That's hilarious. Just like how she will walk like arms at her side like that. Like, like there's no other, like it's a great performance. Like it's a shame this movie didn't get more of a look last year. Cause like, there is a really strong lead actress performance here. And I'll say it too, Gina Rodriguez as a supporting actress is a really strong is a really strong argument as well. I think so. Quite honestly, I I don't I don't think we need to really focus about what movies came out last year and what movies came out this year. So there's a very good possibility that we might put up Evan Rachel Wood or Gina Rodriguez for best uh, actress this year just because 2020 and 2021 seem like one really long year. It really should just be a blood fight. Like, it really I, should be. I really think they should just, like, the Oscars should announce, like, they'd be like, hey, all of these people, you may have those Oscars, but will you retain them? And then it's just like, next year, you will defend those Oscars because it's one big, long year. Her and Gina Rodriguez, like, are kind of trapped together, and old Dolio is just, like, not having it. And I think it's because Gina Rodriguez is the polar opposite of her. Old Dolio is this girl who dresses like an old woman, and Gina Rodriguez is this fun little bubbly lady who's wearing like mini skirts and like cut off halter tops and like just is just like, I mean, just looks good. Like an old Dolio is very like, and Evan Richard is not ugly in this movie. She's just very like, it's all very functional. It feels like for her. Also, and this is very important. Old Dolio is very clearly attracted to Gina Rodriguez. Yes, that's also very true. You kind of discover this throughout the course of the movie. And at one point, there's just kind of this breaking of the ways where, like, old Dolio gets this paycheck for the thing and for the luggage that they kind of scam eventually. And she says to her parents, she goes, I'll give it to you if you just tell me you love me. Because, like, they call Gina Rodriguez's character Hunt at one point, And this really strikes a chord with old Dolio. Mm-hmm. Because they they also try to sleep with Gina Rodriguez. Well, she doesn't see that part. She doesn't see that part, but it's it's an important part to the dynamic, I think, that that's going on. That is very true. It is weird that Gina Rodriguez is kind of down for it, like, the first, like... No. <laughs> no? I don't think she's down for it. He's stripping down, and, like, she's, she's talking to him about it. I, I don't know if, like, her plan was just, like, to walk out once he got in. Because I don't think she is, though. I think well, no, she gets she definitely gets turned off once the mom shows up. I think she's turned off immediately. My read on it was that, like, she was saying it kind of condescendingly. It's definitely condescending. I'm just wondering where it was going to go from there, because we never find out, because that's when the mom shows up. And then she's just completely thrown off. But her and old Dolio leave, because she says, I'll do it for $1,500. And it was like... There was like this list of things. It was never give me or the mom says we never gave you Christmas presents. We never called you hun. We never made you pancakes because we were like we were doing something else. I mean, do they give a reason why? Not really. I mean, it's just because they treated her like an adult. Yeah. And they 
get to this place and old Dolio is there and they're talking and she says, her, okay, for 1500, we're going to do all these things. And Gina Rodriguez just kind of gives her this nice day. And I'll say this too. This has another moment of like, oh shit. They like, they really let the other shoe drop where there's a huge earthquake and they're together and old Dolio, they're in like this dark place. Cause like old Dolio wants to know what it feels like to crawl up on someone's like chest, like, a baby when it's first born to like suckle at a mother's breast because mm. she never had this, which is this movie's very complicated to talk about in some ways. <laughs> I mean, she goes, she takes a job early in the movie to go to this women's seminar thing for a pregnant mother who, who can't go. And she goes and she sees like the video of like a child on like the, on like the tummy, like crawling up to, to like a, essentially bond with the mother and starts the chain reaction of her wondering how, if her parents were nurturing or not. Mm-hmm. And so essentially Gina Rodriguez is like, we'll do all of those things. And there's, of course, the scene, the fucking hilarious scene where the there's an earthquake at like a gas station. And Adam Rachel Wood has like a mental breakdown. And it's hilarious because she thinks she's lived through the big one. But I think they'll know the, the scene before that is great, too. They're in the dark and she yeah. thinks they're dead. Evan Rachel Wood says, you're like, you don't, it doesn't matter. I didn't care what I looked like. All those things are gone for you. Like, you know what you looked like. You'll never forget. And she kind of like just lets loose this tirade of like, because Evan Rachel Wood, I think, really believes like that it's all gone to shit. And like, she kind of lets loose this tirade and just kind of confesses everything and like says, we were going to rob you. We were going to scam you as well. But I don't think she's telling the truth. I think she's lying. You think so? Yeah. For, I, like, I don't think she's telling the truth. I don't think, I don't think there was a plan to rob Gina. I, don't I think know why she, say it. She says nothing matters at this point. We can say it, we can. Well, no, because I think she just has all of this like because it's before, it's during the earthquake. I thought it's at the, it's right after it stopped because it's like it's just the blackness and it looks like stars. I he, but I think she's just like so pent up and and like angry at Gina. That's fair. That's fair. That I think she's trying to sever the relationship so that she can go back to her parents. She she has an excuse to go. That's back to true. Her. I don't think there was ever a plan to rob Gina. Hmm. That's well, my person. That's how I took it. Well, I don't know. The ending of that movie makes you think something else. But I mean, if that was the plan the entire time, then why cut her in the money? Give her the money that way. I think the plan became to rob them. I don't think the plan was always to rob Gina. Maybe. Maybe that's true. So they go out and, like, Gina Rodriguez's character's like, so your plan was to rob me and I'm a, I'm a dumb broad whose brain is in her tits? And she goes, no, that was when I thought we were dying. Like, And the parents show up, like, back into the picture, and they give her a bunch of gifts because, like, she never had birthday gifts. And there's 18 of them because she's supposed to be, I guess, 18. She's 26, but that's to represent her 18 birthdays as ah, a child. As a child. Mm-hmm. So I, what I do think is interesting about the earthquake scene when she lives through the big one, quote unquote, is that it it is the her breaking the like the trauma, not the trauma, but like the, 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 the learning that her parents have instilled into her by like seeing that the world doesn't work like that. 
when she's in the convenience store and she's just telling all of them, how are you doing? Isn't this great? Like, how are you doing? Isn't this great? You like doing that, boys, don't you? It's very fun to do. Yeah. So old Dolio goes to, like, and her parents leave a note with the gifts that say, like, come to dinner with us, let's talk. And they go to dinner, and it looks like things are going to work out, and old Dolio and her go, and Gina Rodriguez go to bed in Gina Rodriguez's room, and she says, hey, thanks for giving me a good day. And she goes, yeah, absolutely. And they wake up the next day, the parents just took fucking everything. It's devastating. You fucking hate these boomer-ass parents. Oh, they're the worst. Like, Richard Jenkins gives maybe his most hateable performance since, like, killing them softly. (laughs) I was so worried you were going to say something like... um, Since The Shape of Water. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's his most hateable performance since The Shape of Water. Where he was just... Then he's a really nice guy. Yes, but he sins against God for his homosexuality. And you're like, Jesus Christ! I thought it was more the fact that he's hateable because he's a sad sack. No, no. No, he, he sucks. He just sucks in this movie. He does. He's a he's a he's a dick. But he's good in it too. Oh, he's so good. And yeah. Deborah Winger is just like almost not there. That's how good her performance is. She is a ghost. It's great. It's so impressive. Like it's like Lisa once said, no, you gotta listen to the notes he's not playing. <laughs> it's jazz, baby. Exactly. So I guess that leads me to my first of three final questions. Elevator pitch. How do you well, uh, no, I guess, no, I guess we got to talk about the ending too, don't we? So they rob her and the two of the only thing they leave them is the presents that they gave her and they take them back and refund them and they get like 500 bucks for them. Well, first they get 400 and then they realize like, oh, the necklace. And then they get 545 dollars, I think. Yeah. Which is her take from the insurance scheme. Oh, there you go. Yeah, they there was a moment where they were sit lying on the ground where they were in bed, where Ed Richard Wood is on the ground and Gina Rodriguez is in her bed, and they're like, "Well, what happens if they take like the whole thing?" Like you should, they're basically like running through the scenarios, and Old Dolio's like, "Well, if they take the whole thing, then I know I they don't love me. If they don't take anything, then I know they do love me. But what will probably happen is they'll take their half of it and leave me five hundred and forty-five dollars." which is my take from the insurance scam. Or maybe 42. I don't because it's split three ways. No, it's um, five it's 525 because it was, t- it, was 1, 000, it was $15,075. That's it. So yeah. yeah it, so and that's she said that's probably most likely what will happen where it's they love me but they don't care enough about me to, you know. And so it's it's very much the movie is ending on this like severing of ties. And I don't know. I think as someone who has severed a tie between me and myself and a parent, I, it, I yeah, I kind of like that ending. It's, it's a chosen family, like queer yeah. ending. You know, I love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. She embraces Gina Rodriguez and they kiss in the store and it just kind of pulls out. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess my last of three questions is how do you elevator pitch this to someone? Hey, man, you know Miranda July? No. OK, well, you like weird comedies. I guess. Uh, well, Kajillionaire came out last year. It's pretty. Wait, wait, wait. You're good. the guy who was on the elevator earlier who said those other movies were comedies. I don't. I don't trust you. Uh, no, get off this elevator. Uh, Do you even live in this building? Check, please. 
Mick no, Mullen, can, no, no, come back here. Come back here. Maybe it was the other guy who said something. Yeah, or yeah, two of you. Yeah. yeah. Come on down to the bread box down at the bottom of the building. We got some movies. Uh... <laughs> Why did I... That sounds so suspicious. I'm very sorry. I guess I'll just <laughs> let myself off here because that guy yelled at me. What would you pair with this? That's a very good question. I, I, what would I pair this with? You know, it's kind the of only perfectly goes with me, you, and everyone we know. It does really perfectly go with me, you, and everyone about, but the me, you, and everyone we know. But I, I'm gonna go out of the box. I'm gonna suggest something that isn't by Miranda in July. I'm gonna suggest a movie called But I'm a Cheerleader. It's a good movie. It's a really good, good movie, movie, actually. Yeah, it's a really good queer movie, too. Yeah. Well, that takes us out of it. And next week... I feel like we got to do ratings, buddy. No, we do have to do ratings, don't we? <laughs> stop, stop rushing people. Get um, back over here. Get back, yeah. get back in your goddamn chair. <laughs> well, what would you give this? What would you give this movie? I think I'd give this movie a solid three and a half out of five. I give this four. Actually, I really enjoyed this. I think Evan Rachel Wood's performance is so strong throughout the whole thing that even if you're not down with other aspects of it, it's hard to deny like how good she is. You will walk around doing an old Oleo impression. That's very true. I also like that they never sell her out in that movie and like do a makeover sequence with her. No. Yeah. When she dances, it's also hilarious. Well, because it's just her getting into the post office. It just yeah, it is. <laughs> it also just looks like someone listening to like fucking deftones or something it's great well that takes us out of it and next week you know what i'm just gonna roll it out it's time to bring out that old cannon it's the cannon fodder episode and i decided to do kind of two opposites of of cannon okay and we've done very, love streams so we have done love streams and i did I couldn't find it, but I did see a movie that was even more esoteric and weirder that, for some reason, Canon put out. But I could not find it literally anywhere on the internet, so I did not pick it. And also, I, you would hate me if I picked it. So I, I avoided it. But the first movie I'm going to pick, I picked a very bad movie, notoriously one of the worst movies ever made. It was a Golden Globus like passion project. It was oh, no. the musical from 1980, The Apple. Ooh, I've heard of this one. It is like notoriously considered one of the worst movies of all time. Oh, I can't wait. Okay. The Apple. Um, the Apple. And then following up, The Apple. You know how I was talking about the Nemesis a lot and how much I love the Nemesis? Well, we're going to check in with that director's earlier feature. A movie that was made fun of on Mystery Science Theater 3000 starring Kathy Ireland the Albert Punyon 1988 science fiction film Alien from L.A. Recently got a beautiful Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray, so I'm hoping I'll be able to rent that and check that out. Okay, Alien from L.A. and The Apple, two movies I know nothing about. And yeah, ladies and gentlemen, I told them to pick two movies from the canon filmography, so this is on me next week if we come in pissed <laughs> off. So I did this, so... I think I think you'll enjoy the apple and I think you'll have fun with Alien from LA. That's fair. I'm sure it will. I I I don't think there's any way. It's it's a fun movie, you know. 
Next week, we have The Apple and Alien from L.A., a movie that one of them is directed by the guy who did Nemesis. So you know what? I'm in. That guy's bought himself at least one more ticket with me. I feel like with Alien from L.A., he's going to buy himself at least another ticket. Good. I hope so. Because you know, Nemesis fucking rocks. I'm not kidding about may- that fucking film festival. That idea is funny just based on Nemesis alone. I, I, maybe not as good as Nemesis. I, I'm not going to write a check my ass can't cash. But I think at least as interesting as Nemesis Okay, is. I'm in. And guys, you can, of course, follow us at TWGTF Pod on both Twitter and Instagram, respectively. You can follow me at ET Critic for the Empty Theater Critic on Twitter. You can follow me at Movie Loving Lucha 87 on Instagram. Tyler, is there anywhere they can follow you? They can follow me into a post office where I will be in the back stealing some mail. And for TWGTF Two White Guys Talking Film, I've, of course, been your host, Ben. And I'm Old Dolio. And remember, guys, if you come to our movie place around the way and you see someone trying to reach up our movie box, that's Richard Jenkins. Run him off. He keeps trying to steal movies out of there. Life is nothing. Just let it go without really thinking about it. Like you're letting go of a piece of string. Just let it. It's not that big of a deal. Talking, 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 That's why I'm
further i have to say that silent rage has the fucking funniest wikipedia page like funniest first sentence on wikipedia page i've ever seen go on silent rage is a 1982 american action crime neo-noir science fiction slasher film <laughs> directed by michael miller it has by the way all of those things are in this movie <laughs> five... it has five different types of movie <laughs> they all exist every one of those things is qualified in that movie, I promise you. I've seen almost all of that movie. Okay, I gotta watch this. This movie, this movie sounds terrible. It, you're gonna have fun, I think. Science created him. Now Chuck Norris must destroy him. That's that's the tagline, too. It's a good tagline. She's wearing Wrangler jeans and kicking ass the whole movie. I love it. <laughs> Why do we hold the Sundance Film Festival here, Phyllis? It's so painfully crowded. Because people from L.A. love to come to a quaint little mountain town for a few days and this gives them an excuse. No, this used to be a quaint little mountain town. Now look at it. Sushi restaurants, upscale clothes stores, $25 parking, Liam Neeson. I tell you, Phyllis, I think we've tapped this town's resources out. By the way, I had an idea. Uh huh. They will literally, fucking literally, let you watch anything at the Galaxy. If you run out of theater, I'm not fucking. I'm not fucking kidding you. the The girl told me this, like she told me this. What if we just fucking held a film festival, where like you and I just for a day, bought out, like bought out, like their schedule of like like four movies in a row. That sounds like a lot of money, but I don't know. How we're no, no, do, no. Essentially, definitely going to show Nemesis. That's what's happening. I mean, that's one of them for sure. Like, <laughs> no, no. But like, here's what I'm saying. Like, <clears throat> here's what I'm saying. Like, it essentially would be 200 bucks each because each showing is like $100. We could do it. I don't know how we would like, we could sell. I don't know how we would sell tickets. Like, that's kind of the problem I'm I'm figuring out here. But I think we could do it just like kind of get the word out like virally like to Reno and like have people just like show up and be like, yeah, like, and be like, okay, then you Venmo it to this account. Like just to recoup expenses. That's all we do it for. Uh, maybe we do like a pay what you want. Like it's free if you want it to be free, but that's like, fair. That's fair. People don't want to pay. That's fair. Yeah. Four showings. Nemesis is one of them. Please for the love of God, let me show Nemesis. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about like this, a, but I like this. I like this idea. Because I think if we did the TWGTF like film festival, like it would be a really funny concept. It, it would be, but we it would you know inevitably it would be like what's the four weirdest movies we could show? I mean, I kind of want to show Head. <laughs> oh, like could you imagine watching Head on a big screen like the way like it was supposed to be watched? Like would... that might be just a movie for you and me, and everyone else is like, what the fuck is going on? It, it wouldn't end up, it would be, end up being like head nemesis and then like i would want to show like at like the fucking first episode of twin peaks or something 
<laughs> Something fucking I'll be really honest, stupid. I kind of want to show Honeymoon Killers. <laughs> okay, Honeymoon Killers. I th- what? Okay, I guess I would have to pick something. The real jo- Okay, so if I'm doing if I'm doing Honeymoon Killers and what's the other one? Ped? Ped. Yeah, I think those would be my two. Yeah, mine would definitely be Nemesis because that was like the That's first. That's so really funny to think about too. Like you just be like people who like buy tickets because each one I think we could do like the way I think you could do it is you could buy like each one is like five dollars. Yeah. Or oh, or for sure. Or you can buy the pack for like fifteen. I don't know, all four for like. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like a five dollar savings, and you can just like Venmo it, and like we'll figure out how many seats there are. And then, yeah, because, I mean, imagine, like, just, like, one day, if we could just do that at the theater and just be like, yeah, we're, it's a day at the theater. It's essentially, like, free promotion. We would, like, I'd, we'd print up business cards to throw on all the seats just to be like, yeah, this is TWGTF. Well, listen to it. All I would want to do is break even. If it costs us each $200, I would want us to make $400. <laughs> That's it, honestly. Just to have people walk out and be like, yeah, there's this time I saw this movie called Nemesis at a theater. It's the most insane movie I've ever seen. Fucking kicked ass, man. Yeah, and if it works, we do it again the next year, and then we figure out a way to actually monetize it where it's legal. Because I don't think we can technically profit off of like showing those movies. I don't think so. Which is why we kind of have to be like a pay what you want thing. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel too. We yeah. might even have to say it's for it's like a donation. We could do it. Oh, we could do it as a charity. We also got to make sure we don't show anything by Disney. No, fuck them. I'm not doing that. Because Disney will sue us. <laughs> so Disney let's... will not care. No, no, they don't care. So we would do it for a charity and, and to recoup expenses, like, because we're, we're putting it on. So the nominees for actor are Anthony Hopkins, the father. Riz Ahmed. Sound of Metal, Chadwick Boseman, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Gary Oldman, Mank, Stephen Young, Minari, and the award for actor goes to it really should just be a blood fight. Like it really I, should be. I really think they should just like the Oscars should announce like they'd be like, "Hey, all of these people, you may have those Oscars, but will you retain them?" And then it's just like next year you will defend those Oscars because it's one big long year. I think Anthony Hopkins would rebel. He'd be like, "Can I just lose it to Chadwick Boseman, please?" People are being mean <laughs> to me constantly. They say there's that old cracker who won that award instead of that poor oh, dead black. Right. Okay. Could you imagine just like okay. Anthony Hopkins is just getting called a cracker by people? <laughs> I would think that's actually honestly very funny to call. Dude, he goes, I didn't want to win. <laughs> like, he, But he's like, he's just taking it super personally. He's like, I didn't want to win. I'm sorry. I didn't even show up. I thought that would dissuade them. I knew it was going to happen. I knew when I made that movie. No, they said do another Marvel movie. And I was like, no, I want to be an actor again. Look what it's done to me. All the Marvel movies ever did was buy me houses. I have four of them. He's just mad. He's just like, take it back. And they're like, and they're like, no, you may be able to win again. And people just revote for him. And he's like, stop it. 
How do I pitch Anthony Hopkins on doing a movie where he tries to get back his Oscar? No, because the whole premise is is around the death of Chadwick Boseman. I could never pitch that idea. You can never pitch that idea. I do love the idea. I do love the fact that he had to do a um, <laughs> video where he's like, oh, thanks, the Academy. Uh, I woke up the next morning. Uh, none of my family could believe that I had won. So wait, was he not even awake for it? No, he like was just like, whatever. <laughs> Anthony Hopkins goes to bed at 9.30, thank you. Once the McLaughlin report is done, Anthony Hopkins is in bed. I watch and like, one people... episode of Medlock and I go to sleep. He loves Breaking Bad, apparently. You know what else he probably loves? Fucking Columbo. Oh, he probably is a Columbo guy. Who isn't a Columbo guy, you know what I mean? My, dad, my mom loves Columbo. Mm-hmm. Hey, you know what? One more thing. Let's finish talking about Kajillionaire. 